we thank you right now for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, that having you in our life made the difference, Father God, the difference between being broke and making it, the difference between being depressed and having joy, the difference between, Lord, how much is struggling and being able to make it, uh, make a breakthrough. God, you made the difference. It's the anointing that makes the difference in our life. And so, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you send your anointing in here this morning, God, and break every yoke, break every chain in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us and that, God, you would just continue to allow us, Father God, to cherish our mothers and grandmothers, even those who've gone on to be home with you, Father. We thank you for their memory. And, God, now I pray that you would take me and hide me behind Calvary's cross, that somebody might get a glimpse of Jesus. Father God, I am the clay, you're the potter. Take me, make me, mold me, shape me, use me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And God, bless the person on my left and on my right. And I pray, Father God, that you would bless them what they stand in need of on today. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah and amen. If you love the Lord and you're glad he made a difference in your life, clap your hands and make some noise for Jesus Christ. Come on. Amen. You may be seated. It's so good to see all of our mothers. If you're a mother, wave your hand. If you're a mother, hey, how y'all doing? Everybody turn to a mother next to you and say, Happy Mother's Day to you. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Hello, Tiffany, Kiwan. Hello, Marceline, Jackie, Tawandra, Lashandra, all of our online family. Can we give God praise for them today? Amen. So good to see y'all on today. Amen. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, but I got to take special pastoral privileges and say uh, happy Mother's Day to my mama and then also happy Mother's Day to my to my baby mama, my, my, my bride, my girlfriend, my lady. Let's give it up for First Lady Spencer. Happy Mother's Day to both of them. I love them so much and love all of you all and thank y'all for being here. Listen, do me a favor. Uh, this message that the Lord has given me this morning, I think it's pretty special uh, for the mothers. And so I need your help to get this word out. So go to your uh, New Direction Christian Church Facebook page, like it, and then share this gospel message on your page. Somebody say on your page. You know, sometimes y'all act like y'all ashamed of me. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I, I don't know. Y'all act like y'all ashamed of y'all's pastor. If you were proud of your pastor, you'd be like, you know, I want everybody to hear this. And so uh, I, I'm going to see how much you love me. Today. I'm going to go to your Facebook page after church. And if I don't see this sermon on your Facebook page, I know what time it is. You don't like me. No, it ain't about liking me. It's about sharing the word of God. Please share this on your page today. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Share that thing some kind of way. I uh, also want to celebrate the fact that my, my wife and I, we did a master's class uh, for married couples the other night, and we had 118 couples on with us. Michigan, Florida, uh, where else, baby? Uh, Georgia, Jacksonville, Florida, Memphis, Germantown, Orange Mound everywhere and uh, we were trying to push for this retreat on June 10th through the 12th we're going to be downtown at the Westin we're going to have a rooftop uh, gathering we're going to go to the Sugar Shack we're going to teach workshop on how to save your marriage and enrich it and make it better and people were super duper excited so much so that we sold out in three days for our 10 spots you can clap and then some married folk are like wait a minute now we didn't we didn't hear about that we didn't get in on that what's up and so we announced we sold out, but we also went back to the hotel, and so we have 15 more spots uh, that we were able to open up. So if you want to be a part of this marriage retreat in June, please go to 
unashamedretreat.com. Amen. Amen. There is a word from the Lord. As you heard, my mom is going to be sharing her book out in the lobby. You don't want to miss it. It is an awesome book, uh, and I believe it will be an inspiration to you. Let's go to the word of God. I want to look at Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Stand up. Grab your Bibles with me one more time. I promise you I'm going to be standing a little longer than you, but stand up with me one more time. And somebody say, this is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. When it's open, God speaks to me. When it's shut, I can't hear from him. God, I'm listening today. Speak to my heart. Speak to my mind. Speak to my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a word from the Lord, and it reads this way from the New Living Translation. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby uh, and, ki- and kept him hidden for three months. The King James Version says he was no ordinary child. Look at your neighbor and say he was no ordinary child. But when she could no longer hide him, Lord have mercy. She got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. And the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. And when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went, called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you. Lord have mercy. Y'all missing this. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. What I'd like to talk to y'all about today is mama did it for the culture. Mama did it for the culture. Look at your neighbor on the way to your seat. Say, mama did it for the culture. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. How many of y'all know you wouldn't be here today if your mama hadn't strategically placed you in the right position for you to get what you needed in life? How many of y'all can say, I had a praying grandmama? I had a praying mama. And she put me in the best position to win. And that's not always easy, watch this, for a black woman to be able to raise a child in today's world, much less how it was, what, 20, 30 years ago? Many of y'all don't understand the sacrifices that our mamas and grandmamas had to make to raise us in a hostile environment. America has come a long way, but America still got a long way to go. But your mama and your grandmama were able to navigate through turbulent waters and put you in a position that you might not 
only survive but thrive. How many of y'all are doing better than your grandmama and them? I need some help up in here. Anybody doing better economically than your grandmama and them did? Do you know that's intentional that you are here today? We walk in today with Prada and Gucci and, and, and all these high heels and fancy shoes when they kicked them open with bare feet and worked in cotton fields and cleaned up other people's homes and took care of other people's children and still had to come home and take care of you. Anybody glad today that your mama put you in position for you to prosper in order for you to do better than they have done? It's important and intentional that mothers were strategic enough to place us in places where we flourish. I was reading a book on, uh, on how mothers were instrumental in, in Dr. King. Dr. King and Malcolm X and James Baldwin, this lady, she did a, a research, uh, her dissertation on uh, how change leaders uh, were able to be change leaders because they had strong mothers. And she began to research the mothers of Dr. King and the mother of Malcolm X and the mother of James Baldwin and discovered that these women were bold and courageous in their own right and would not have been able, these men would not have been able to do what they have done had it not been for a mother who was strategic and brave. Can anybody testify today that you had a brave mama, that you had a praying mama, that you had somebody that, watch this, that saw something in you before you saw it in yourself? Yeah. Watch this, watch this. Your mother saw your potential before you did. Somebody write that down, write it in the comments. My mama saw my potential before she did. Am I in the text? I sure am. The Bible says that a man and a woman, uh, Levites, came together, got, preg got married, got pregnant, and, and she gave birth to a son. And, but the problem was, watch this, is that the Pharaoh had issued an edict because of the growing uh, population of Hebrew children. Joseph, you remember in the Old Testament, when there was a famine in the land, he asked Pharaoh if he could bring his family to Egypt to survive the famine. They moved into Goshen and there they began to populate and even after Joseph died they, they populated so much so that they were outnumbering the Egyptians and then there came a Pharaoh who, watch this, knew not Joseph and they tried to undo everything that Joseph did, uh, everything that Pharaoh did and, and, and when it was that Pharaoh died, I mean Joseph died, Pharaoh knew new pharaoh came up and had no obligation to the partnership and the agreement that Joseph had with the former pharaoh, which meant that they started subjugating the Hebrews into slavery and started abusing them. Uh, and, and, and they were so intimidated by these minority people who were growing and expanding that they created voter repression laws. They, they, they started uh, taking away subsidies from their neighborhoods. They started redlining the Hebrews and put them in a place where they couldn't succeed. But as much as they tried to oppress them, they didn't die, they multiplied. Y'all not going to help me. They, they were baby's kids. They didn't die, they multiplied. And so here's what Pharaoh said. He says, from now on, when a baby boy is born to the Hebrews, take it from his mother and throw it to the crocodile. And so Moses' mama gives birth to him. And when it is, he comes out of her womb and she holds him for the first time. He's got this long curly hair. He is radiant. His face is glowing. 
and the Bible says that he was no ordinary child. He was beautiful to look at. It was like a light was shining on him, and she knew as soon as she saw him that his fate would not be with the crocodiles. Can I help somebody? When your mama first laid eyes on you, she saw something divine in your eyes, and she made up her mind that she was going to protect you with everything that she had. Do I have any witnesses in here that are set in this sanctuary, not because you were lucky, but because you were blessed enough to have a mother that says, I'm not going to let anything happen to my baby. Can somebody talk to me this morning? Is this microphone working? Can anybody testify that when you were going through your ugly duckling phase and everybody was talking bad about you, your mama always saw the good in you and told you you were going to be something? When I was a little boy with a big head and people were picking on me, mama said, that's all right, baby, you just mature slow. You go, you mama's baby, you handsome, you this and that. And even when I wasn't, she spoke it into me to the, to the point where I started believing. I started walking around with my big head and telling everybody, I know I'm handsome because I had somebody who saw the potential that I was going to grow into my head one day. Is there anybody in here that can clap your hands and thank God for a mama that encouraged you when all you had was other people who saw the worst in you, but she saw the... She saw the best in you. And so we're here today because like Moses, his mama, she said, I'm going to hide him. Somebody say hide him. As a mother, good God Almighty, you, you get anxious knowing that you got to send your boys out into a racist world. You get anxious knowing you got to send your girls out into a world full of predators. And sometimes you're wondering, how am I going to get them to where they need to be? And so you try to hide them. Y'all not going to help me. Uh, they, they call it being sheltered. And, and, and I thought my mama was the meanest thing when I was growing up. She wouldn't let me go to the juke joint on school nights. She wouldn't let me get no jerry curls. She wouldn't let me get a gold tooth. She wouldn't let me get a tattoo. She was just mean, I thought. But then I discovered later on in life that she was just trying to spare me. I already had good hair. I didn't need no Jerry Curl juice, even though Michael Jackson and Prince both had one. I wanted one, but she wouldn't let me get one. And I thank God for it. I ain't got no hair today, but it's all good. My mama looked out for me and decided that she she saw something in me that I couldn't even see in myself. And so like Moses' mother, she strategically tried to hide him. And I remember Rhonda when we had our first son, Omari, and uh, we moved here in 1995 in Memphis. And, and so... She was pregnant with Amari when I moved here, and then she gave birth to him and subsequently moved to join me, uh, and, and we had to set about trying to find a daycare for Amari. And so we found this family-oriented daycare uh, that we were going to take him to, and so my wife got him dressed, put him in his little car seat. She got dressed for work. Uh, she was going to go to a new job and started her work and dropped the baby off uh, at daycare, and she, and she told me, she said, when I got to the door, I broke down. I handed Omari over to the, the lady. I got in my car, cried all the way to work. Then when I got to work, I was still crying. The boss came in and said, ma'am, what, what, what's wrong, Mrs. Spencer? I just dropped my baby. He said, ma'am, just go home. I said, what did you do? She said, I went and got Omari and I went back home. How many of you mothers have struggled with that anxiety of letting go? 
of letting go. But there's something, watch this. My wife told me that there's something that takes place inside of mother, an attachment syndrome uh, to where some of your DNA is downloaded into the baby. And no matter how far you are away from your baby, you still attach to your baby. Can I help somebody today? Whatever is in you, that was in your mama, it's in you. And no matter how far away, even if she's in heaven, there's still something inside of you that keeps you attached to her. So much so that even when I was a young man and I was growing up and I was going through something, I was trying to man up and act like what nothing going on, my mama would call me because something inside of her would register. Something's not right with your son. I ain't told her nothing was going on. She just got this thing inside of her because me and her are connected. And so she would call me and I'd say, hey, mama, how you doing? She said, fine, you all right? I said, hey, I'm fine, fine. No, you're not. <laughs> then I said, I ain't all right. I ain't all right. <laughs> These people get off my nerves. <laughs> and I would just be able to collapse because it was a safe place to collapse. It's something about mothers that give you their safe space, and there's an attachment. And Moses' mother was attached to him, and she hid him until he could no longer be hidden. What do you do when you can't keep your kids from danger any longer? What do you do when you have to send them to predominantly white institutions where everybody don't love them like you love them? What do you do when you live in a gang-infiltrated neighborhood and you got to send them to school with people that don't mean them any good? You got to have faith. You got to have faith to know that I'm going to do my best and God going to do the rest. You got to know that if I train my child up in the way that they should go, that when they get old, Zenobia, they will be all right even in the military. Because the safest place in the whole wide world is in the will of God. That's why your mama prayed for you, your grandmama prayed for you, because she knew she was sending you out into hostile territory, but she couldn't hide you any longer. I remember uh, mama putting me on a little school bus when I was a, when I was a kid, and I, I lived in a, in a rural area, predominantly a white town, and she put me on the school bus with my little lunchbox and my little uh, green galoshes and my Snoopy lunchbox, and I got on the bus, and the Caucasian bus driver said, all you little ends, come up here so I can see you. And uh, that messed me up. That traumatized me as a child. I came home and told my mama, and told my auntie, uh, and my aunt was radical. She had a big afro, it was the 70s. And, and, I, and I thought, you know, that was the end of it. I got to school, I look out, there's two black women standing in front of the school bus like this. And one of them was my auntie, she came on that school bus, she said, if you ever say something to my nephew again, it's on. That man turned redder than the stoplight. But my mom placed me strategically. Your mother had to release you strategically because she could not hide you any longer. Can anybody testify to the fact that you're here today because of the strategic placement that your mother placed you in the Nile? She placed you strategically, and she watched this, and she used what she had to keep you afloat. The Bible says that, <laughs> that she used papyrus reeds that grew in the Nile. She used pitch or mud from the Nile. Good God Almighty. She used what she had to keep her baby afloat. 
do I have any witnesses that your mama used what she had to keep y'all afloat? You might not have had what you wanted to eat, but you had what you needed to eat. She made some hot water cornbread or took some turkey, leftover turkey, made some turkey hash, went out into the field, got some wild turnip greens. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Pulled over on the side of the road to the cornfield and got a garbage bag and loaded up the trunk real quick before anybody drove by. Can anybody remember your, your mama and grandmama using what they had to keep you afloat? That's how we're creative today. That's how we're able to make a dollar out of 15 cents because we always made it because the mother knew that the Lord would make a way somehow. Little becomes much when you place it in the master's hands. Can somebody testify that you're here today because of the creativity of a mother who could take old pieces of material and sew them together and make you a blanket called a quilt? Somebody wave your hand if you ever slept under grandmama's quilt. Somebody raise your hand if you ever ate hot water cornbread or them government cheese sandwiches holler at me today if you never went hungry because she always made a miracle every Thanksgiving holler at me if you never went to the doctor but you always got well because of them home remedies uh, Vic Saf on your chest uh, Vic Saf on your feet or take good God come on somebody talk to me real quick those herbs those those medicines those remedies they work but most of all prayer work how many of y'all got all it because your grandmama came in and oiled you up and prayed over you and rebuke that devil off of you. Is there anybody in here that can stand up and say, I'm here today because I had a praying grandmama. I had a mama who had the wherewithal to be creative with little. We got all these tools. We got all this money. And we have not done half as good a job as they did with tar and pitch. We had one pair of shoes, but we made it. Y'all not going to talk to me. We had one good outfit, but we made it. When our pants became high waters, they became our summer shorts. She cut the legs out, and they were, y'all talk to me this morning. We made it. Here you all got five pair of tennis shoes, 10 pair of pants, 12 shirts, and they all on the floor. Can somebody talk to me real quick? Does anybody beside me remember taking your only pair of tennis shoes and washing them with soap and a toothbrush? Can anybody talk to me real quick? Did you ever wash your shoestrings on a bar of soap and hang them on the shower to dry so you could go to school the next? Can anybody talk to me? Did you and your brothers just have to share clothes when they get too big for you, your little brother, y'all ain't talking to me, but we made it. Look at somebody say she was strategic. She was creative and she did it for the culture. She was strategic. She, she placed him in the Nile. Can y'all help me preach for a minute? Can I rewind and ask you a pop question, see if you was paying attention? How y'all know both sides? Where were they supposed to put Hebrew baby boys? Where did the crocodiles live? In the Nile. Help me. If they found a Hebrew baby boy, they were supposed to throw him in with the 
why would Moses' mama put him in a basket in the Nile where the crocodiles were if she was trying to save him? Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? Is this microphone working? Pharaoh wanted to kill all of the Hebrew boys. Dr. Jawanza Kujufu said in America there's a conspiracy to kill black boys. Do you know that, that private prisons look at the scores of inner city black and brown children to determine how many prisons they need to build? Why would you throw him, put him in a basket where you know there's crocodiles? Because she was strategic. If you look in the text, somebody is taking a bath in the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter is taking a bath in the Nile. DJ, help me preach this. How's she taking a bath? in the Nile with crocodiles. I said, help me preach. Elias, can you help me? Just use your deductive logic. How's she taking a bath where there's crocodiles? Because they moved them. Pharaoh ain't gonna let his daughter get ate up by no crocodiles. So Pharaoh built a good school for his daughter. Pharaoh put restrictions around his part of the neighborhood. So she took her baby from the ghetto. And put him in a good school. She took her baby from the ghetto and marched him to somebody she knew that would take care of her baby. Y'all not going to talk to me. I just want to talk to mamas who have put your babies in strategic locations so that the crocodiles could not get them. This is going to bless somebody. Maybe, maybe rest y'all get excited in a minute. My mother was a single mother registered nurse, and she had to work a lot of times, did not have a babysitter for whatever reason. We had grandmama. We had my aunties that took care of us. Uh, but, 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 but sometimes she just couldn't find anybody. So you know what mama did? She was strategic. She took all three of us, got us some library cards, dropped us off at the library. Y'all stay here and read till I get back. I would be in there. I fell in love with books. I was checking out books, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm checking out big stacks of books. I'm coming home, read. I couldn't wait for the book club, and I turned into a nerd because my mama put all three of us in a basket in the library. Some of y'all are mad at your mama because she won't let you do anything. But she had to be strategic because she knew that if I didn't put you in the basket where I put you, the GDs would have got you. If I hadn't put you in the basket where I put you, the, the, the perverts would have got you. If I had not put you in the basket, the drug dealers would have got you. Is there anybody in here who can thank God that God had a mama to put me in strategic places? Watch this. 
Uh, your mother had the help of other women. I, I'm here today because of a village that raised me. From, can I tell y'all something stupid I did one time? I was a teenager. I told you my mom was strict, right? She's strict. She let me go nowhere. And then one night, I, I, I begged, you know how we do, Mama, please let me go, please, please, please. And so I had a half-brother who was a year older than me. And he convinced her to let me go with him to the juke joint in Franklin, Kentucky. It's called the Blue Galaxy. <laughs> Boy, some girls at the Blue Galaxy. We got dressed. We had our eyes out on. We had our press Levi's. We had on our Nikes, you know, like the ones Forrest Gump wore, you know. Uh, we were fresh. We was in the car checking our nose and give me, hey man, you got some chewing gum? How my breath smell? <sighs> we, we loaded up our little car. We went to Franklin, Kentucky. I was excited. It was my first time out. I, I went one direction. My brother went the other direction. I was trying to holler at this girl. He was hollering at another girl. Well, the dance got over, was over with. I went out in the parking lot looking for my brother. He's nowhere around. Uh, I go around the building, he's not there. I go to the girl's house that he said he was going to see, he ain't there. It's 12 o'clock. It's 1 o'clock. It's 2 o'clock. And by this time, I'm, I'm, his, I'm delirious. Uh, and as a teenager thinks, I said to myself, I'm not going to call because I'm going to be in trouble. Did you hear what I just said? I'm not going to call my mother. And mothers, what is my mother doing at that time? She's at home doing what? Thinking about me. Guess what? There's no cell phones. There's no pagers. And I wasn't going to pick up the phone and call collect because I knew I would get in trouble. That's dumb, but I was young. So I go and spend the night over to my cousin's house, and I don't call my mom. The next morning, the phone rings. And I hear my, one of my aunties, I call her auntie. She said, yeah, baby, he here, he's on the couch. Mm -hmm. You want him to come home right now? Okay. Baby, your mama said, come home. I said, oh, God. I'm going to see Jesus. I was grounded for like six months, <laughs> but I had, I put myself in a bad place. And did you notice she didn't have tracker? She didn't have a cell phone. She called every person in our village until she found me. Mama had other women helping her raise me. In this text, the Bible says when, when she put Moses in the river that she sent Miriam, his sister, and she was following for it from a distance. And she was watching. The Bible says she was watching to see what would happen to him. Can I help you today? Some of y'all got mad at your nosy neighbors, but it was your nosy neighbors that saved your life. She had other people watching after you. You wonder why you got in trouble. You didn't think anybody saw you picking from that plum tree on your way home from the neighbor's yard. And then you got home. Your mom said, what you doing picking plum? 
plums for? How'd you know? It don't matter how I know. Miss so-and-so told me down the street because she had people that were watching, making sure you made it to where you needed to get to. Anybody glad that you had a village that raised you? You had some aunties that raised you? Thank you, Aunt Janet. Thank you, Aunt Merlin. Thank you, Aunt Penan. Thank you, Aunt Idabel. Thank you for all my aunties that looked after me. And, and, and you need to know today that you're here not because of just your mama, but you had other people that were watching you to make sure you made it to your destination. She, 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 watch this. There's another thing I discovered in my studies is that Pharaoh's daughter just wasn't taking a regular bath. She was taking a religiously sanctioned cleansing bath. She was getting herself purified, which meant that she was a woman of faith. Y'all not going to help me. Her, his mother did not just send him to a heathen. She didn't send him to somebody who couldn't handle his anointing. She sent him in the direction of somebody who has some morals and some values. Watch this, because she took a risk sending him out in the first place. Because if anybody discovered a Hebrew boy, they were supposed to pick him out the basket and throw him to the crocodile. But because of the anointing that was on his life, and because of what his mother saw in him, the, the mother was counting on the woman she sent him to to see the same thing that she saw in him. Y'all not going to help me. My mother sent me to teachers, good God Almighty, who took an interest in me because of what my mother saw on me. So I remember going to my teacher's house as a young boy. Uh, I was in a special class because of my insecurities. And Miss Jane Fugate, a white lady, took me into her home and was nurturing me and, and, and tutoring me. And she called my mama when I spent the night, she said, how do I do his hair? She said, baby, get you some no more tears and a, and a big kitchen fork and just pick his afro out. He'll, he'll be all right. She put me strategically in the place where she knew that somebody who had some sense and some values could help me get to that next place. Anybody here today because of the strategic placement that your mother placed you in? She, so he gets... He gets to Pharaoh's daughter, and, and watch this. Why did I say that? Because y'all got some, y'all got some kids, uh, teenagers in your house upstairs sleep right now uh, with boogers in their eyes and breath stinking, uh, and, and you did not make them come to church because uh, they didn't want to come. I, I, I'm glad my mama didn't give me choices when it came to doing what was right for me. My mother trained me up in the way that I should go so that when I grew old, I didn't depart from it. And even when I did go to college, Elias, and I tried to sleep in on Sunday, uh, something inside of me wouldn't allow me to get comfortable laying in the bed. There was something inside of me that says you got to get up because this is what you do. And I became chaplain over my choir because of my mother exposing me to faith. And I tell people all the time that my mother gave me a drug problem when I was a kid. She drugged me to Sunday school. She drugged me to Bible study. She drugged me to choir practice. Anybody glad your mama drugged you to church? And somebody needs to understand that if it was faith that brought grandmama and mama this far and faith will lead us on, I'm reminded of what Paul told Timothy he said I'm reminded of the faith that I first saw in your grandmama and I see it in you he says stir up that gift of God that is in you can somebody place your hand on your stomach and say Holy Spirit activate I want everything that got grandmama through I want everything that got my mama through I want everything that got them through all the tough times and all the racism and got them through the great depression and got them through slavery and got them through Jim Crow and got them through the great recession
person. I need that faith. Can somebody say, Lord, stir up the gift of God that is in me. God has not given us a spirit of timidness, but a sound mind and a strength and of self-discipline. Somebody say, stir up the gift. It's already in you. Whatever was in your mama, whatever was in your grandmama, he says it's in you too. Mama had to do it for the culture. She knew that the enemy wanted to kill you, but she prayed over you. And when she sent her sister down to the river to see what would happen to him, the Bible says that Pharaoh's servant opened up the basket and saw this beautiful, handsome boy. And Pharaoh's daughter said he looks like one of the Hebrew boys, uh, one of the Hebrew babies. He, she saw his sister and said, come here, little girl. She said, yes, ma'am. She said, do you want me to go and find a nurse for you? She said, that's a good idea. Can you go and find me somebody to nurse this baby? She says, I think I know somebody. She went and said, Mama, Pharaoh's daughter got Moses. You got the baby. You need to come down here. She wants somebody to nurse him. And the mama showed up. She said, yes, ma'am. She said, can you nurse this baby? She says, I sure can. And she said, hold on. Go get my pocketbook. She got a pocketbook. And Pharaoh's daughter paid the mother of the, of the baby, not even knowing that that was the mother of the baby, and gave her money for a baby she was supposed to kill. Can I help somebody real quick? The people that brought you up were supposed to kill you. But because of the favor on your life, God not only provided somebody to take care of you, but your mama got paid as a result. Is there anybody who knows that God has a way of making a banquet table in the presence of your enemy? Favor will make people pay you who wanted to kill you. Can I talk to somebody real quick who can testify that I should have been dead sleeping in my grave, but I got paid instead? Can you stand up and let me see you? If you made it through adversity, if you made it through racism, if you made it through violence, if you made it through gang activity, and you're still alive, high five somebody with your elbow and tell them God did it. God made a way for me to be here today. Watch this, I got one more last thing to tell you. Mama did it for the culture. Look at somebody beside you and say, Mama did it for the culture. What do you mean she did it for the culture? I'm glad you asked that question. We get ready to go eat the buffet. We get ready to take Mama out to dinner. Here's how, here's how Mama did it for the culture. Can I help somebody? Uh, Connie Cornell, can I, tell you, can I tell you how God did it? Watch this. Uh, she said, can you nurse this baby for me? She said, yes. She said, nurse him and wean him and then bring him back to me. He was three months when she found him. He was three years old when she brought him back. Come on, y'all talk to me. What did Moses' mama do for three years? She sang to him. She told him about his Hebrew people. Told him where he came from. You are a king. You are a child of God. You are handsome. Only God is above you. Wherever you go, you're going to be great. You're going to be a leader of your people. You're going to help set your people free one day. Moses, don't you ever forget who you are and drink this milk. She was downloading his DNA into his spirit. She was downloading her faith into his spirit. She was downloading love, unconditional love in his spirit. So then when he had to go back to Pharaoh's house, 
jobs. It was something in him. Lord, have mercy. There was an attachment, a DNA deposit already inside of him. He was destined for greatness. Can I help somebody in this sanctuary? You are destined for greatness. You got kings and queens living in your DNA. You got royalty in your DNA. Everything you need to make it, it's already in you. Can somebody put your hand on your chest and say, it's already in me? Can you type in the comment real, real quick? Yeah, I'm, it's already in me. I'm destined for greatness. I just want seven of y'all who believe it to stand up and say, it's already in me. Everything that, that's been downloaded from one generation to the next generation, it's already in me. Watch this. I know this is true because one day when Moses grew up and he'd been to graduate school and he'd been to all the best schools in the university, Kristen, congratulations on your Master of Arts. We have matriculated through uh, primarily white institutions and, and sometimes we didn't get taught about our history. We didn't get taught about how uh, prominent and, and royal we were, but yet we have matriculated through their institutions without any knowledge of ourselves. But guess what? Your mama and your daddy downloaded something inside of you so that you would never forget about who you are. And I know this to be true because one day when Moses was standing in the palace, he looked out and saw some of his people being abused by one of the one of the Egyptian officers. And Moses went down to try to defend them and, and he ended up having to kill that officer that was attacking one of the Hebrew men and he hit him in the sand. And then a couple of weeks later, he went out and was trying to break up a fight amongst the Hebrews because he recognized them as his people. He says, y'all shouldn't be killing each other. And they said, who made you judge and jury? You gonna kill us like you killed that Egyptian? And then Moses knew right away that the gig was up, that the word was out in the street, that he had to retreat. And so he left. He forsook his royalty and ran out into the wilderness and he stayed out in the wilderness for 40 years. And, and I asked a question of the text. Why did Moses have to go out into the wilderness for 40 years? Because it took God 40 years to get the Egypt to get Egyptian culture out of him and to get him back to a place that he remembered who he was and whose he was and God told him through a burning bush one day he says Moses take off your shoes for where you're standing is holy ground and I need you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go and Moses began to make excuses he says I got a stuttering problem he says I'm going to send your brother to go with you you just go tell Pharaoh to let my people go and Moses says who should I tell them sent me he says tell them that I am that I am sent you somebody needs to understand that wherever God is sending you he's going to give you the ability to do what you need to do and say what you need to say look at your neighbor and say God is going to go with you God is taking you and he wants you to do it for the culture he wants you to go to that Egyptian Pharaoh and tell him to let your people go he wants you to go to the Republican party and tell them let my people go he wants you to go to the Democrat and tell them let my people go he wants you to go to some of these broken school systems and say let my children go he wants you to go to the prison system and the 201 poplar and tell them to let my people go he wants you to go out in the neighborhood and tell these gang members to let my children go is there anybody in here who can resonate with me this morning and say mama did it for the culture so much so that I could not forget who I am even though
though I might live in a nice neighborhood, I'll never forget that I was raised in a single wide trailer. Even though I can go out and eat in any restaurant I want to go eat in, I still remember fried bologna sandwiches and tomatoes for the garden. Is there anybody in here who can remember that God has brought you from a mighty long way? Look at your neighbor and say, do it for the culture. Go and help your people. Go and help somebody less fortunate. Go and be a blessing. To whom much is given, much is required. Look at your neighbor and say, it's your turn to do what mama did. It's your turn to do what grandmama did. Can you touch three people on the shoulder and say, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Go back to that school and let my people go. Go back to your neighborhood and let your people go. Go back and give back and reach down and reach up and go up. Moses did not think it robbery to come out of Pharaoh's palace so that he could let his people go. The Bible says that Jesus Christ did not think it robbery to be considered equal with God and let all of that go so he could be born to a poor teenage girl in a rural village in poverty under Roman oppression. The Bible says that Jesus emptied himself of his divinity of his royalty and took on the form of a human. Why? So that we could get out of the Nile. Did you know that every one of us live by the same river? Every one of us in here lives by the same river and it's the Nile. I'm going to slow it down so you can hear what I just said. I said, every one of us in here have camped out by the same river called denial. Not the Nile. D-E-N-I-A-L. We deny that we're lost. We deny that we need God. We deny that we are not where we're supposed to be in life. And it takes God to remind us of what was downloaded. Paul said to Timothy, I am reminded that the faith I saw in your grandmother and in your mother Eunice is also in you. Stir up. Somebody say stir up. Stir up the gift of God that came to you through the laying on of hands. When, I, when they lay hands on me, your mama prayed for you. Grandmama prayed for you. Your pastor prayed for you. People in the community prayed for you. You are anointed. You are blessed. You are highly favored. You just got to stir up what they downloaded in you. If you want to receive this download, could you stand on your feet and just open up your hands and let me pray for you as we conclude this worship experience. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for Janika Webb. I'm praying, Father God, for Constance and Quilla and Greta and Dante and Melba. God, I'm praying right now for every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice. I'm praying for a spiritual download for them to become <clears throat> the best of who they are. Father God, everything they need is already inside of them. We've got lawyers and doctors and directors and nurses and, and, and mayors and governors. 
and, and Father God, scientists and, and engineers. We, we have them in this room right now. And God, I thank you that they weren't consumed by predators or, or consumed by crocodiles or consumed by gang activity or consumed by drug addiction. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help somebody today to have an awakening like Moses did when he realized that he could no longer hang in Pharaoh's palace when his people were suffering in the hood. God, I'm praying today that we'd be able to go back to our neighborhoods and go back to our people and go to local governments and federal governments and tell them, let my people go. Father, I thank you for change makers like Dr. King and Malcolm X and, and, and James Baldwin who had mothers who were courageous, who gave birth to change leaders. And I pray today, I pray today for you to unleash a change making anointing that sweeps across the sanctuary. And God, we take up the baton of our matriarchs and God, we pass on what's been downloaded in us to the next generation. As you told Moses, Moses told the people, he says, Teach your children as you walk along the path. Teach them how the Lord delivered us from slavery. Teach your children how Yahweh made provision in the wilderness. Teach them how the Lord made us a people, a mighty people, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Teach them that it was you, God, who brought us from the west coast of Africa and brought us through the bowels of the slave ships and brought us through the, 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 the demeaning acts of slavery and brought us, Father God, to the point where we elected our first first African-American president. Father, teach them our history. Teach them how you brought us a mighty long way. God, help us to teach our children how we made it over. God, today we are thankful for Jesus Christ who, who also considered it not robbery and gave up his royalty, gave up his divinity and took our sins upon him on Calvary's cross. And Father God, because Jesus took uh, our sins and hung on that cross and died, God, he made a way of escape for us to come out of Egypt, to come out of slavery, to come out of addiction, to come out of denial. Today, Lord, we are not in denial. We, we recognize we need you. We can't make it without you. We can't breathe without you. We can't leave without you. We can't, God. We need you today. And so, Father, today, if there's under, anyone under the sound of my voice who wants to completely surrender their life to Jesus, God, I pray, Father God, that they would raise their hand. If there's somebody today, Father God, who wants to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, God, I pray they raise their hands. If there's somebody that's, that's new to the city and they've been looking and praying, God, give me a Bible-believing church. God, I pray they raise their hand today and they would not leave the same way they came in. Lord, right now we say, Holy Spirit, download into us right now. Download forgiveness. Download grace. Download healing. Download peace. Download revelation. Download encouragement. Shout out our vocal. Download deliverance. Download what we need, Father God, to be set free. And we'll be careful. Give your name all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name.